Welcome to the Directors UK podcast. This week is all about June, the spectacular sci-fi vision from director Denis Villeneuve. At a recent Directors UK event, Denis spoke to fellow filmmaker David Oyelowo about his love of Frank Herbert's original novel, the joys and challenges of shooting in the desert, filmmaking on a grand scale, and the emotional life of directing. We hope you enjoy. It's an absolute delight and pleasure for me to get to talk to you about this film because it is uh, it is one of the most astounding most astounding things I've seen in a movie theater. I think truly built for this screen, worthy of this screen. I'm going to get straight into the questions because I have so much to ask you. Um, so I'm working with um, one of your stars, Rebecca Ferguson, at the moment, and she told me that when you were a lot younger, maybe even as a teenager, you were already obsessed with Dune. Is is this correct? Yeah, it's a book I read around 13 or 14 years old, and uh, and uh, I, I read like a lot of teens at the time, read the whole series and went into deep into Frank Herbert. And, and, and it's a book that stayed with me through the years. It's really a book that, uh, uh, for the people who knows, the, the, the novel is a multi-layered and, and it's a, a kind of book that as you age and when you revisit it again, you see new things about it. You discover new things according to your own life experience. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a book that uh, is obsessing me. I've been obsessed with since a long time. She said that you did these drawings even yeah, as a spy. <laughs> a spy. I have a, a few spies, so be ready, Denis. Um, but she said you you did these drawings even when you were younger, and I just wondered, as a young person reading that book, being as you say obsessed with this story, how much correlation there now is between how you envisaged it as a as a as a boy and what we are now watching on this screen. But the challenge was to get as close as possible to those visions, those visions that had, uh, had some kind of purity that were uncorrupted, that were like a, a kind of a primal and original and, and uh, without any, not too much influence yet. You know, it's, it's the, the exercise, the, not exorcist, but the, the exercise that we, we, um, we did uh, was trying to go back like archaeologist and dig and 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 uh, been in contact with those first first primal visions uh when we we read the book we all have those visions and then i was trying to go back because the book had influenced so many things so many other projects that i was trying to go be before that and then and reach down to to the origins of my love for the book now you you talk about the essence of it there and the primal nature of it and, you know, there are a lot of directors in this room. You know, one of the challenges you're always facing is that ugly marriage between art and commerce. Um, and so your vision, the, the specifics of that um, and what the studio might want, um, you know, sometimes there's a, a, a disconnect. I, When I watched this, I sort of felt like, wow, this is grown-up sci-fi this is uh, um it's cerebral it's operatic it's poetic um it's spiritual and you know i'm sure there are those who would have wanted something more simplistic maybe i'm i'm presuming but were, were there any battles you had to engage in in order to get to the specificity and the purity of what you were looking for no, the, I would not call them battles. It's all about relationship. You know, I, 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 from the start, the truth is, I had the, the best. I have the best relationship with the, the, the Barry Parent, 
with the head of at, at legendary the uh, the main producer uh, and that I had to I was working with her and when I met her uh, uh, I knew before getting into her of her, her office that she had uh, the yeah the best reputation as someone who wanted to work with directors uh, and uh, and she had just made the uh, the revenant with Inaritu so I, I was saying she, she if she can work with Alejandro <laughs> but I love him but the thing is it, it, it's uh, it's just it, I knew that it had been a very complex project and, and Alejandro had said great things uh, about Mary and uh, to me and I strongly recommended her and and uh, I I felt. I could trust her, and in truth, she was a, a fantastic partner. Uh, for me, a good producer is someone that will uh, surround you with the, the best crew and push and 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 give you the, the the necessary resources. But also, more importantly, someone who will push you to 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 make sure that you will give you the best out of you. And and uh, it's important for me. It's it's something that, uh, and she did it. I mean, uh, um, so there was no, we all agree on what the movie should, it, we all read the book. She, she, they knew what we were trying to uh, achieve here. You know, it's like, uh, so there was, it was not about the, um, there was no question about the pacing or things like that, but we had the pr one preoccupation, all of us, which was that, for me, it was it it was not difficult. I mean, it was difficult to adapt this book, but it was not difficult to to. It was less difficult, let's say, to 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 please the hardcore fans who love the book. Because, but the, the problem was to make sure that people who had would not have read the book will feel welcome and understand the story, and to try that balance to to find a way to introduce that story. There was a lot of conversations uh, with, with me and the screenwriters. And and uh, uh, Mary was a, of, of a good help. She, she has a good instinct too. So it, it was like there was it, uh, there was no confrontation. I had confrontation in my life with producer, but on this one, it, it was very collaborative. And, and uh, uh, um, I trusted her, and I still trust her. That's amazing. That's really amazing. Obviously, it's an iconic book, and whenever you're dealing with um, something of that nature that people have very strong opinions about, I imagine that in the back of your mind is pleasing, as you say, the new audience, but also the people who are hardcore fans. I watched it with a friend of mine who is a hardcore fan, and thankfully he loved it. But how much of those people were in your head as you were sort of constructing this? I, I had just to deal with me. I mean, I mean it was enough. I mean, uh, I am someone who deeply loved the book, and I didn't thought about, uh, you cannot please everybody. I was not trying to please, but I'm just saying that I, I was seriously trying to channel my inner teenager that had read the book at the time who was uh, arrogant pretentious and assault you know i was i was like uh, and I, I i tried to get in contact with that guy to, to try to please the vision that i had uh, that was the way to um so when you make an adaptation like that it's like uh, of course you want the move you you think about the audience but uh, um I'm not trying to please. I'm just trying to make sure that people will understand. You know what I'm saying? So, um, am I right in assuming that when you were younger, the Timothy Chalamet character is someone you identified with in describing yourself, as you said, as an asshole? <laughs> no, but uh, uh, um, I, of course, identify uh, uh, when you read the book at 13 years old and you're a younger, young man, I mean, a young boy, you identify to polar treaties, of course. Yeah. 
right. Um, I'm curious because, you know, it seems like you had a, a wonderful experience on this in terms of your collaborators. You got to express your vision, which very few people on planet Earth get to do that at this scale, which is an amazing thing. And you can really feel like it's a, it's a personal film that you've, you've made from that point of view. A general question, you know, there are two schools of thought when it comes to testing a movie. Um, I know filmmakers who swear by it. I know filmmakers who, you know, they think it's sacrilegious. Um, I don't know if you did it for this, but I'm just wondering if it's something you've had to do and have an opinion about either way. It's a, it's a pre- Let's say that when I was doing indie movies in Quebec, in Montreal... I, it was very important for me at one point to test the movie with with few friends or, or not friends I will say people that uh, I knew will tell me the truth either because they are close friends and I trust them or people that don't know me and don't care about me you know so I, 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 I it's very important at one point uh, if not just for me to sit in a theater with a little audience because it's changed your own perspective on the movie. You feel the rhythm differently. You, you understand it's, 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 it's more about feeling how they react to the, than to hear them after. It's, it's, it's really to watch the movie with an, an audience is very important. And then from those screening, what I'm like, we all do, I'm trying to uh, see to make sure that the thing that I take for granted are really there you know it's a cinema is a very powerful but very strange sometimes sometimes uh, uh, there's a scene that can be so powerful that the information that would be conveyed after is totally lost you know the things like that uh, uh, so you need it's interesting it's an interesting process in hollywood they do those gigantic test screening which honestly i hate but uh, um, i see it as a one day I was really traumatized by the process and a director came to me and said, he said, you can see this as a time machine. It's like going in at your premiere and then going to the, re- the, the, the restroom with the, the audience and listening to their comments. And then you can go back in time in the editing room. <laughs> right. so, and, and I saw that there was a kind of wisdom in that. And uh, uh, as long as you, the, there are adults in the room, meaning that as long as the studio supervise those tests, knows how to make uh, uh, read those 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 I, the score i think it's ridiculous but the 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 comments sometimes it's interesting so it's it's uh, but it's it's uh, i will say that if it was just from me uh, uh, i would not do test of that scale but i like to pre- to show the movie to a real audience a small group of people definitely what what kind of person do you have in that audience? Are they other filmmakers? Are they ordinary people who don't know our business? It's always it's an interesting thing for me to know who to listen both, to. Both, both. See, I have like uh, friends, filmmakers that are very hardcore that uh, I know that will come to my screening and ask them bring your baseball bat. I want to test the machine. You know, I want I want really you to to be brutal with me. It's a time to do it. There's a moment where I, I think it's important to do that for me, uh, uh, and uh, and also to have people that know nothing, uh, uh, that are not in in in, in uh, the movie business. It's interesting also, but uh, not too much. It's just a little group. It's interesting. Yeah. How was it shooting in the in the desert? I mean, I know that you guys were in Jordan, um, I believe, and um, but you know, it's a that is a foreboding place to take a 
crew of probably hundreds and have equipment and the sand obviously gets everywhere and in everything. I mean, I just, you know, I it, it's amazing to watch, but I imagine the doing of it in that environment could be quite challenging. What were some of those challenges? Uh, first of all, you have to be very well organized. I mean, you have there's a, a crew that takes care of the film crew, so we say the crew becomes gigantic very quickly, and and uh, it's all about being uh, very organized. I mean, it's like of course, uh, shooting in Jordan was not that difficult. I mean, it was exhausting, and it was it was super rewarding because the, the landscape uh, they are absolutely unique and and uh, and brought a lot uh, uh, to the movie. And deeply inspired us. But uh, uh, we were prepared to, to, to go there. And we had the, 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 the base camp was like a, a military base. I mean, we were 800 people in the desert working on the movie. Now it's... A, it's a, a, and you know what, what pissed me off? I was like, I finally I'm doing a big movie. But Star Wars has been there the year before. And they had a thousand and thousand people on their film. <laughs> so I was looking like, again, an indie movie. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> but... but uh, um, yeah, it what where it was tricky was to shoot in uh, in Abu Dhabi, uh, um, because we were shooting in a in a period of the year where we will have the proper sky that it will have the, the kind of humidity in the air that would create that kind of haze that I was looking for. I didn't want the the desert to look beautiful. I wanted the desert to look dangerous and powerful and 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 um, feel the power of nature. And uh, but to do so it meant that we will shoot in extreme uh, temperatures. Uh, luckily, I was looking for uh, uh, light uh, the the the, begin, the beginning of the the day and the end of the day. So what, the way we did it is that we we were waking up at the three a.m. three, uh, and it was all, already thirty seven Celsius outside. So it was uh, I don't know in the, in England is it Celsius or I don't know. Yeah. It was already, uh, and then I was we were bringing. I had found a place and 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 a, an hotel. I, I convinced the studio to do that by saying to them I will have a very small unit. And, and there was this kind of hotel that was in the middle of the desert. The desert you opened the door, and the desert was there. So it didn't require a lot of uh, of uh, um, crew to 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 deal with the the, the distance and the transport. So uh, I was bringing the crew at four a.m. We were rehearsing when the light was there because there's a lot of scenes that are uh, made to look like if it was night time. Then I was. Shooting, shooting, and at 9 a.m., before 9 a.m., I had to put put the crew out of the, the desert because it was getting dangerous. Then we, we were go- coming back at uh, 5 p.m. We were going to bed, everybody, then coming back at 5 p.m., and then rehearsing and shooting when the light was okay until uh, it was too dark. So it was it was like a, we shot like that for maybe 10 days, and it was very exciting, but I think it was the most exhausting shoot we I ever done. To it, to, but very re- rewarding because I'm talking about the sand dunes, the, the kind of uh, ocean of sand dunes that were not... There was no such a landscape in Jordan, so uh, I needed that for the movie. So, uh, yeah, that that I would say was pretty tricky. When you start to put eyes on the camera, it's because there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Wow, amazing. Um, when we're watching this film, especially in those amazing sort of sand dune sequences, how much did you have to go and supplement what the camera was seeing with CGI? Because you're clearly looking for very specific times of day to get a specific kind of look. But, you know, there are clearly things that we're watching that weren't there, but it's seamless. I mean, it's just so beautifully <coughs> rendered in this film. Um, you know, h- 
how much of what we're seeing shot to shot is real? Did you ever had to a- add that haze or was it no, always there? Uh, we, were, we were very lucky in the, with the weather in the desert. I mean, uh, Jordan was a total victory of, uh, the, of, with weather. I mean, we had those washed skies and a lot of winds, a lot of wind. And, and sometimes... Uh, 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 the, the producer were thinking that we were uh, not shooting because it was too stormy. But we're, my crew was, they were like Navy SEAL. We were in the middle of this desert uh, capturing this crazy wind sequence. It was it was amazing uh, experience. Um, I apologize. What was the question again? Oh, no, no, no. I was just asking uh, how much of what we're seeing. Oh, okay. So, yeah. uh, um, it's, it's, we, we, we built a planet, so it means that it's a puzzle. Um, everything involving rocks uh, uh, is uh, relocations in Jordan. What we had to do with those locations is uh, Jordan is, is uh, there, there are plants, in the, so we had to erase plants uh, 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 with CG. That's the only thing that we manipulated, the, the only manipulation we did in Jordan, I would say, for, uh, 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 and all the, the uh, desert of Abu Dhabi is mostly untouched, I think. Uh, of course, there's like vehicles or things like that, shit like that, which we added everywhere, but, but uh, 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 the landscape, I tried to keep them as naturalistic and as untouched as possible. It was just to remove some vegetation from time to time in Jordan. Um, a scene, a sequence like the crawler sequence where Paul Atreides will be for the first time going to the desert was shot in sand dunes at the border of Jordan and Israel. Sand dunes that are, it's like a no man's land. So it was, we had, it was a place where uh, we were the first one shooting there. We had, there was no tourist, no, no, nobody there. It was like a protected area. And uh, that in the background, when we are on this specific scene, uh, we had to. Uh, we were. We had like the vehicles there, but we and and the wind machine, everything. But we had to erase uh, the mountains. In the there were mountains in the back, in the in the horizon that I had to transform into sand dunes. So that's the truth. And uh, also, when you when we fly, you fly above Abu Dhabi, you land. And as you are crossing over, suddenly we we land and we are in Jordan. You know, it's like we 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 matched. Uh, we found sand dunes, and, and, and I remember Patrice Vertmet, my, my production designer, had a, like a, a, a little uh, uh, um, uh, valise in a um, suitcase. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Tanya is a new series. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> a suitcase with sand samples from everywhere in the world, and he was matching the sand from one place. That's good. We can shoot here. <laughs> because it, it, it needed to look seamless. We knew that uh, I wanted really uh, everybody to understand that we uh, believe, sorry, that we were always in the same environment. So we had to match, make, be careful with the light and, and, and the, the color of nature. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Um, you get some incredibly still performances from these great actors in the in the film, and I, I felt like it added to the the gravitas of the film. It, they, they sort of felt like they were of that place, mm-hmm. and I wondered if that was something you got out of them by directing them, or you specifically were looking for actors who already tended and tend to bring that kind of stillness to their work because I found it pretty universal in in terms of the just the presence they br- they brought to the film in terms of their performances that stillness um, is something there there was something very I was envisioning the, the movie to be there's something very Spartan like and and uh, there's something about the immobility that was I was deeply inspired 
by I know that my cinematographer was tired to shoot people standing doing nothing, but it's like a, it, it, it's it's um, I was obsessed with that stillness, that that, that position of the body in space. Um, it's difficult for me to honestly to intellectualize that. I ju it just felt totally right for this project, having characters uh, it being more in the to some kind of meditative, meditative states. It has, it has to do something about the introspection of those characters, and uh, and uh, suddenly the movements start. And when and when the movements start, when we are with Paul diving into the desert, is finally going deeper and deeper and deeper into his psyche. But before that movement. Yeah, I want him to. I wanted him to be like a, in observation mode. I mean, it's like a teenager that absolutely at the beginning of the movie has absolutely no control over his, his reality. I mean, all the adults around him are taking making the decision. So I wanted him to really, really, really be like a tree in the middle of all that madness, witnessing around everything spinning around him until he himself finally start the movement. Yeah. Was that something you really had to talk, Timothy? through because I thought he gave an incredibly disciplined performance and it almost had a cumulative effect, that stillness. But however many months you took to shoot the film, I can imagine an actor going, can I just do a backflip in, in this scene or so? Do you know what I mean? Because it is, it is so inexorable, that, that stillness you required of him. And I think it's why the performance feels so mature from such a young actor. But, you know, was it something with him or with the other actors? I know, you're, I know you say you don't want to intellectualize it, um, but I'm going to force you. Um, but you know, I, I am genuinely fascinated by it because, you know, as, as an actor myself, one of the toughest things, especially when you're shooting things out of order, especially when it's a canvas this big, you're always trying to envisage what the film is going to be, how you're going to fit into it, and how you fit into it in a, a germane, integrous way, as opposed to something that stands out in the wrong kind of way. And I felt like that was pretty universal with every single actor. So they would have had to rely on you heavily to do that. And sometimes, you know, they, they it may have been a thing whereby they wanted to do more. Was that ever something, particularly with Timothy, that you had to sort of ask him to trust you or walk him through it or was it just there from from the get-go i think I, I can become very stubborn when it comes to uh, directing actors sometimes as much as i love receiving ideas uh, uh, i love to uh, um, when an actor has an idea on the day and if this is the idea felt feels better than mine i will put my ego aside and, and it happened in a few of my projects where my favorite scenes has been scenes that had been discovered on the set in the morning or, or uh, deeply uh, um, sorry uh, I'm trying to find a way influence sorry by by, uh, by an actor but uh, on in, in on, on dune there was so many elements to control that uh, I had no patience <laughs> and, and 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 I I was very very direct I think I mean I mean uh, about the, the the la mise en scène it, it has uh, I think I had uh, there was one way to do it for me, and, and, and they all, I mean, we are paid for that. I mean, they, they, they followed my lead. And, yeah. Wonderful. But I, it was a nice, uh, it was, a, I will say, it was a huge cast. And the truth is that we were all waiting for the asshole to show up. We were all thinking that one of them will be, will, but it didn't happen. They were all very 
playful, collaborative, uh, open. There was some. There was a, a sincere, good spirit on set. Uh, it's not. Uh, uh, um, uh, I think there was a joy uh, linked with the idea of, the, uh, of making this adaptation. They all loved the book. They all. Uh, they were all feeling the responsibility that we had on our shoulders. So th there was a, a nice discipline. I mean, uh, um, yeah, that's what I would say. There was a deep sense of spirituality about the film. Um, and at times, it felt like it was reverential towards spirituality. There were times where, you know, you could almost feel like it was critical uh, of... Uh, the nature of spirituality and the things people do uh, with deity and spirituality and religion as an excuse. And yet there were things about it that were incredibly powerful um, in terms of the spirituality. So, you know, I just wonder which side of the fence do you find yourself it's, it's, on? It's very simple. Is is when spirituality is used as a tool to manipulate or, 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 or when you blend religion and politics that where uh, the movie gets very, very quickly cynical but uh, spirit, spirituality for itself when we see people having a reverence for nature or, or having a, a spiritual relationship with nature that I, I, I think uh, I deeply love it's the way to use you use that power so, so the power itself is okay so how to use that that that, that strength that uh, uh, Frank Herbert was uh, questioning in his book. I, I agree. Um, the incredible use of bagpipes in this film. I, I, I you know, I, I heard it in the score initially, and then I saw a guy with actual bagpipes in the film. Um, you know, which made me think, wow, this wasn't just some incredible composer after the fact putting this in. So much of it had been pre-thought and and clearly was integrous and germane to the film already. Um, was that you? Was that your collaborators in terms of, I mean, sound design was also a huge component in this. I'm just wondering how much of that was part of the film, the film's design in pre-production, how much of it was discovering stuff while you were there, how much of it, inevitably some of it, was in post. <coughs> when, when you make a movie, uh, for those who made movies of that scale, there are so many aspect i mean that you have to uh, you have to design everything you have to think about everything about uh, sci-fi you have to build worlds and and it and uh, add time to do it but still um, there was something about the arrival that uh, the the concept of the ship the way they were arriving the the the, the, the all the custom design the contrast the most important thing was that that contrast that that feeling that the new colonizer were despite their intention they were still colonizer come coming into a, a new world and to have a contrast with the native of the place to feel that uh, that tension that religious tension that uh, that the, those questions rising in Paul's mind and it's 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 like uh, uh, and that brutal contrast of the light. There was tons of elements, of course, that, uh, but there was something missing. And I was there's, and I, 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 in the screenplay, I didn't found it. I, I found it uh, uh, as I was uh, uh, finally there uh, uh, on, on the set a uh, few days prior to shoot. And I remember waking up, waking up at at night, 
thinking bagpipes. <laughs> and and why? Because I, I was saying to I, I was saying we need an expression of their culture, something else than weapons or armor or, or flags. I need an expression, a melancholic expression, uh, something vulnerable, something that uh, uh, it's like. Uh, I, I and I went to. My, I remember going to my uh, first AD, a fantastic uh, 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 first AD, probably one of the best in the world, Chris Carrera, that comes from uh, from here. And going and Chris is a, has a lot of experience, and I never saw him panicking once. I see a glint of panic in his eyes when I, I <laughs> when you said bagpipes. Yeah, uh, uh, we need. Would it be possible to have bagpipes players like in five days? And said bagpipes, it will be, sir. And <laughs> but he found we we. I mean, uh, I it 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 seriously, it everything uh, uh, locked. In one piece, when I, I found this idea, and uh, some people thought it was ridiculous. Me, I deeply loved it, and 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 if, seriously, it uh, really helped the acting as well. It it brought some kind of feeling of um, um, ceremony that I was looking for, and I love this idea of this lonely player with this horrible instrument starting to 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 make that that uh, fragile piece of music in the wind and suddenly you have the army answering the call of the king you know I thought it was very romantic and and uh, then uh, when I do, I've done that and when Hans saw it <laughs> I, I got his respect actually <laughs> bringing bagpipes in a sci-fi movie he was pretty proud of the idea and uh, and he, he was able to during pandemic he brags about the fact that he was able to find 40 backpack players in Scotland and, <laughs> and during a pandemic you know it was a, a challenge but uh, uh, it became an instrument that uh, became part of the score uh, from this idea and uh, I thought that it made that in the book there's a lot of hints that things that will have survived those 20,000 years uh, uh, of time uh, hints of the religion hints of, of some uh, words or, 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 or uh, custom uh, not custom sorry uh, um, Tanya habits or, 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 or uh, uh, aspect of culture that will have survived through times to the time and I thought that uh, Frank Herbert will add, uh, approve the bagpipes with Frankly, well I approve of the bagpipes as well they, I thought they were they were majestic actually and 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 were brilliant um you know there will be a lot of people here who are either directors aspiring directors and one of the trickiest things especially with an undertaking this enormous is I think the work-life balance. Tanya is your wife, um, and your Siri as well, and uh, and um, and uh, y- you know you guys have a family. Um, what advice do you do you give when you know this is inevitably two three years of your life? I believe this is your tenth film now, and uh, and so you've done this journey a few times. This is probably your most epic undertaking, but each time there's a there's a cost when it comes to the the life component. How have you navigated that through your career? I have no advice. <laughs> to, <laughs> I, I, I will say that, uh, yes, the big cost of uh, being a filmmaker, it's a privilege to make films. It's a massive privilege, but uh, it's difficult with family. And, and it's, uh, it's something that, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's not uh, easy. Uh, now my kids are grown-ups, so it's easier, but I will say that, uh, for, I will say add strong support 
at home from everybody. And I was able to do this for, because there was a lot of people at home helping us with the, with the kids and and, uh, and making sure that uh, I was making them travel as much as possible. But the truth is, even if the kids would have been with me, even when the kids are with me, I'm not there. I'm in my head, you know. I, I, it's something that uh, I'm uh, the... When I'm become a director on set, uh, uh, I'm not present for reality, and that's pretty. I try to do my best, but uh, so it means that with the only advice I, I said is when I go back home, I'm present. I mean, I, I really learned that. That and I, I, sorry, I don't want to be a counselor here or something, but I don't see that uh, to be present and 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 uh, be really uh, there. And I, I, I also developed a strong capacity to switch off. Mm. Meaning that uh, uh, even if I'm writing or I'm I'm, I'm doing uh, uh, any kind of work that can be stressful, if I go to dinner, I, I have strong capacity to switch off and to be present. I would say that compensated sometimes with uh, with the absence. I would say. Right, right. Sorry, I don't want to be too much. You you are British. I know you don't like uh, the sentimentalism. <laughs> so I, I try to. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a good thing to talk about because yes, we are British, and sometimes because of that stoicism, you know, families suffer. You know, um, in in this in this industry, and and it, especially as a director, you have to be so single minded. So I think it's good to be honest um, about that. Um, I watched this um, episode of Masterclass with Ron Howard, uh, where he said, "No matter how well a film goes." in its rendering, at some point, it will find a way to break your heart. That's something he actually said. Um, do you agree? <laughs> you, you mean uh, during the process or, or, or the, on the outcomes after? Yeah, he said whether it's the, it's the actual, the difference between what you had in your head and what you see, or you get all the way to the Oscars and you're nominated and you don't win. It'll, it, you know, in his experience, there's just this moment where you go, ah, and I think it's to do with just how much you put into it. And so therefore the desire for everything to be perfect is probably heightened. Um, now, you know, when he said that, I thought, gosh, is that, is that true? But when I look at an endeavor like this, you want everything about it to be perfect, both in terms of its reception. But still, and that, that, uh, for sure, Dune, uh, Dune and uh, uh, Will uh, had broke my heart. I mean, I think it's totally true. I think that there's always a moment where you, you, you face your, your limits or, or your ego suffer, or there's always a moment when a movie breaks your heart. Yeah, definitely. And I will say more than the, each movie is an accumulation of joys, victories, but uh, also failures and, and pain and a lot of anger. And so that's why for me, it's very difficult. Once I, I, I don't know about you guys, but me once the, after the premiere, I watched the movie and after that, is I break up. I mean, I cannot watch the movie for years before being able to watch it again without having to deal with all the emotions involved with an actor or, or, or a producer or, or a scene or a, where I failed. But most of the time, it's very personal, you know? Mm. So that, that the, it's very... I recently watched a movie I've made in 2000. And I was, for the first time, I really felt it. I was, for the first time, able to watch it for what it is. With all those filters, it's it's a very strange, uh, yeah, relationship with the past is painful. <laughs> 
I, I want to drill down into that a little bit, especially for this audience. Like, what are those things that you would deem a failure? What are those? What are the painful things, especially over the course of your career? What have there been um, recurring? pains or recurring things you deal, deem failure and then you're always trying to to escape or evade and it just keeps on bouncing back i know that there is the equivalent as a, as an actor myself you know what what are those things that you just go ah that this sounds like it start to sound like a therapy, a therapy. <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> thinking about it no uh, uh, um of course, there are recurring pains or, or, or things that uh, you are facing your own limits. I mean, myself, I, I'm a. <laughs> I don't know how to answer your question. I mean, uh, let's have a beer after if you want. <laughs> but but uh, without getting very personal, but it's like, uh, of course, I mean, uh, how many times uh, uh, I, I feel like an imposter? I mean, uh, uh, still today, I mean, it's like. Uh, um it's it's recurring yeah it's a, the, that's a truth wow if you feel like an imposter no it's true wow. i mean there's I mean, something <laughs> no no but uh, you you deliver things but sometimes you 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 fail you know it in your heart yeah. you know you, you yeah. uh, there's scenes that uh, you don't direct uh, anyway you understand what i mean like, no I, I i totally understand what you mean but i think you know to to discuss these things as a, as an audience i think it's empowering you know to see work world class I mean, this is a classic. This is going to be around beyond you, and for you to feel that way is it. I think it gives the you know the the other directors in this room the uh, ability to keep going because it's something that we all feel, and uh, you know to see that synonymous with this work is is humbling and amazing. Um, a lighter question for you, um, Jason Momoa's facial hair in this in this film. It's ever his ever decreasing facial hair. What 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 was that conscious? Was that you know what was happening there? Uh, I'm so happy that you're uh, frankly the first human being talking to me about. I thought I was able to to uh, <laughs> to sidestep it. <laughs> no, but it's it's a character that uh, obviously uh, uh, goes in the desert and 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 uh, uh, we had. Uh, um, Thought I was able, first of all, to shave Jason Momoa. Do you are you do you realize the achievement? There? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was a long negotiation, but but the thing is that uh, um, I will tell you the truth. The the um, I wanted him to to be uh, airless, uh, the no no facial hair, and uh, but when he was in the desert, it made sense that it would be not uh, uh, to for realism. Uh, uh, he's a soldier, okay, he's part of, the, of an, uh, an elite. So I thought it made total sense to uh, for him to uh, to uh, be unshaved, and then when he is with the, uh, the 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 court and go back in town, he shaves again. So it was like that. That was, and then as the movie goes, it started. It was we were trying to construct a certain certain reality with that. Now, I did some uh, uh, an uh, I did additional shooting at one point for once one uh, scene moment and it was not possible to shave him because of continuity. And uh, I was really pissed off and it was out of the question that I will do CG. Uh, to remove that, uh, I, I was against the idea. Then we wrote the scene to make jokes about the fact and it, it felt so bad 
that uh, it's so cheesy that I decided to remove it. I said, fuck it. I mean, uh, we will embrace the fact that this character has a beard at the beginning and then suddenly he's shaved when he goes in a mission because in the, in the desert and, and nobody noticed. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no, but I, it's stupid. I, 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 yeah. mean, I mean, it's really stupid. I mean, we make a movie of that size, of that budget, and you have to deal with air and makeup all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, I have a, a deep history with facial hair. Um, uh, <coughs> Yes, chronology. So that's why that's why I probably there's no other issues about facial and, and but nobody knows. I will not mention what they are. But right. Okay. Okay. We'll talk about that afterwards as well. Um, but it is a, it is a question I have. You have some very busy actors um, in this. I mean, they have huge careers. And how long was was the shoot? How long did this take in terms of the principal? I think the shoot was something like five months, five right? Or six months, like uh, uh, and the, what was uh, singular is, is that it's lane but the intensity of it also because to do this movie with the budget we had uh, I had to uh, accept that uh, one thing I had to adapt in order to 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 survive because uh, I never uh, in the past used a uh, uh, second unit I mean real second unit I had sometimes help from a unit for one day or two but but for stunt or explosions or things like that but a real second unit that will uh, 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 work on set uh, uh, with us. That was my first time. And I agreed to do it because uh, it was the only solution to, to be able to achieve what we had to do. And uh, uh, the way I, we did it, I, I chose, uh, uh, with my cinematographer, with Greg Fraser, we chose uh, uh, Kate Harris Manti as a cinematographer because we loved her signature. And and uh, she got along very well with Greg, and stylistically, she blended totally. She was very fantastic cinematographer. And then uh, uh, that unit uh, was uh, uh, working under our supervision, and and uh, had uh, Tom Strutters there, the, the stunt coordinator that was there, and uh, uh, Tanya uh, that was there also to supervise that unit and, and uh, making sure that my instructions uh, uh, were. Uh, so I was like, it was crazy to work directing a first unit and directing a second unit at the same time. And I had to um, take the weekends, my weekends off and put the, the work with the second unit on the weekend so I could be there. So it meant I was shooting all the time. So it's, it was like really exhausting. But uh, that was the only way I was able to bring this movie to life because there was too much work and too little time. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, yes. Let, should we take some uh, questions from the audience? Um, hello. Um, I am completely new to this. I don't know the story at all. I thought it was fantastic. And I thought it was fantastic precisely talking about performance for the intimacy as well as the epic quality. And in, as well as making an incredible film, you've made a fantastic piece of Shakespeare, in my view. I half expected the wood to come across the desert, you know. From, um, But I wondered from that for that reason if you have any acting in your background or if you did any theatre before you got into film at all because you're... As David has said, the performances were just stupendous, and so so much is covered except for the eyes. So often, just fantastic. I thought. Thank you very much. That's very generous. I will say that's an, an experience that was really. Uh, there was a moment in my life where I did two feature film and I stopped making movies because I was going in the right direction. And I won't do, not go into specifics. It's a long story, but I stopped for years. Uh, I tried to go back to, to I, I I I said to myself, I need to go back to film school. I need to learn more about act, act, what is an actor or uh, the 
the mechanism of a human, uh, of emotions, of everything. And I, I learned to write. And one thing that I deeply love and that I, I learned so much is that I shadowed uh, a stage director, a play, di play director, uh, 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 doing a, a play in Montreal for months. I sat in the in the theater and watched him directing actors on in a play. And the way the way was communicating with the actors, I learned it's crazy how I learned. So I will say that that's the only real uh, uh, theater experience I had. Not doing it myself, I will not, I was, I will not be able to do it. But, but to watch someone focusing uh, uh, entirely on acting and how to communicate in order to bring uh, uh, authenticity in the performance, I thought was like a. Uh, really instructive. So that's a thing that for a young director, I would strongly recommend. Yeah, Wonderful. Okay, this gentleman here, he's been quite visceral with his hand. <laughs> can we can we get it? Thank you. How do you keep yourself from becoming totally overwhelmed at making a movie at this scale? Prep. <laughs> it's a, It required a lot of prep and that prep started uh, very early where I was just alone uh, uh, even as I, uh, Eric was starting to work on the screenplay, I, I, uh, even as I, I was uh, finishing Blade Runner, I was already starting to prep the movie, uh, sketching the movies, doing sketches to to find and 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 uh, and uh, find and, and um, uh, the right visual language for for the movie, and and started the design, and so they are. Uh, I tried and. Uh, um, on Blade Runner, I, I was feeling overwhelmed sometimes because I didn't have enough prep time. But this one, I, I made sure that uh, all the visual decisions, all the design, all the everything that I, I had been uh, mostly made when we started prep. So I was more focusing as a on a regular movie on on on, on what's uh, the art of the movie, you know. But it's like, uh, um, did I felt overwhelmed? Uh, 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 the problem is is stamina. It's not a, a, a creativity. It's it's a, when you you at one point on those long shoots, or suddenly the body doesn't want to follow. You know, it's like it's it's a, I, uh, that I will say. Is a, I remember once uh, Alejandro Inaritu telling me that uh, he was starting to do sport and to train because he was about to shoot and I was laughing, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Why are you, me, I hate sport. So I, 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 the last thing I want to do before a shoot is to do sport, to do training, you know, to do, but uh, um, physical training, but I understand now, you, you really need to be in, in, in good physical shape, you know, in order to do those movies. And, and uh, um, that's the thing, it's like uh, stamina. That's where it's, uh, it gets you. Uh, when we started the shoot, we shot two weeks, in uh, in um, Hungary, where, so we could uh, shoot the, the stage, strike those stage, so the the production design could uh, build new stage. As we were going into Jordan, shoot for a, a, a few weeks there, I shot every day, and I remember that we shot maybe four or five weeks in Jordan, and when we came back from there, we were all totally exhausted, and we were beginning the movie, you know, it was like, uh, I remember uh, Greg Fraser and I landing in Budapest, say, oh my God, how are we going to do this? <laughs> we still have the old movie to shoot, you know, it's like, uh, um, yeah, it requires a lot of energy and, and uh, 
Yeah, that's why I'm making those movies. Uh, if I may, uh, that's why I'm doing them now. I don't know how, if I would be do, able to do that in 20 years, frankly. I mean, it's like, uh, I don't know. That's uh, what I would say. That's why I have massive respect for Ridley Scott. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. Two movies a year, like shooting, shooting. I mean, it's a machine anyway. Thank you. Incredible. Well, listen, um, thank you so much, Denis. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you all for watching it. Denis Villeneuve. This podcast was recorded at a Directors UK member event. You can hear more episodes of the Directors UK podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favourite podcatcher. Directors UK is a professional association for film and TV directors with over 7,500 members. Find out more about us at directors.uk.com.